Amen. Hey, if you will, turn to the section there that's entitled New Age, and that's what we're going to do. Part two uh, with that is going to be our continuing topic again tonight. And uh, if you turn there on page five, whatever section that was, uh, and you're going to see about New Age, what we saw last time. If you were here, New Age is a blend of just about anything ever under the sun, right? Blend of Eastern mysticism, Hinduism, we saw before, the little visual analogy, you're in a cafeteria. Let's make it personal. You're in a buffet here in Las Vegas, and you're going down the line. You're taking a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And that's what they do when it comes to eternal things, spiritual truths. I'll take it. You get to decide what's right and wrong. Now, we saw the lie of New Age actually begin in Genesis chapter 3, okay? Satan, Garden of Eden. Lord willing, in a couple weeks, we're going to do an extensive study on the history of New Age, where it come from, on up to today. Who's promoting it today? Uh, some big wigs in the media and things of that nature, uh, as well as, believe it or not, I don't want to give it all away, we're going to deal with the United Nations, the UN. Do you know that the UN actually has a meditation room? It's in there. You could check it out yourself. Do you know they also, they also have this thing called the Ark of Hope? It's basically a New Age version of the Ten Commandments, a, a hope for humanity and stuff. The UN is flat out New Age, and that's because of two guys, Marie Strong and Robert Mueller, we're going to get into that. And the problem is, it's one thing for the UN to do that, to implement this global curriculum, which is basically preparing people for the New World Order, which is New Age, okay, that the Bible warns about. And by the way, the Bible's the only book on the planet that says, get away from that stuff. Okay, but this is really going, but they have ties into our own educational system, thanks to Bill Clinton uh, and others, and uh, they are uh, dictating much of what is taught in our public school system to prepare the young minds uh, to think globally and to be a part of this. We need a global ruler. Get rid of national sovereignty and all this stuff that we wonder why some kids coming out of school are like, where in the world did you get that? That's not how we were raised. What's going on here? Well, there's been a deliberate attack. We'll get to that eventually. But it's a blend of different things. Now, we saw last time uh, a couple of different major cores. It's kind of hard to time down, as we saw, because, again, there's this mentality. It's just, I'll take this, that, a little bit of this, that, and this. And uh, but in general, they believe in monism, that all is one. We're all interconnected, right? Uh, pantheism, all is gone. Uh, godhood, that we get to become gods, okay? And the next page there, we just need to discover that. We need to realize that, okay? That's what's missing in humanity. If we could all just realize that we're part of the God consciousness, oh, it'll bring peace and unity, and maybe we can get that hundred monkey thing going on, if you recall that. Uh, they, of course, believe in reincarnation, which, again, a lot of this comes from Eastern mysticism, but I'm telling you, it comes from all over the place. And occult practices, and we're probably going to have a whole section just on those uh, as well. And then we left off last time with moral relativism. And it says there, New Agers think in terms of gray rather than black or white, and will often believe that uh, two conflicting statements can both be true. Right? It's like you see actual advertisements on TV. KFC, good. That's a conflict. That ain't good. KFC stands for keep feeling cruddy. For those of you wondering why that acronym is the way it is. So, uh, but anyway, no, you say icy hot, peaceful war. It's like, what? That doesn't make sense, right? Well, basically, that's what they believe. They said, you know, because, again, one of their major underpinnings, as we saw, is all religions basically teach the same thing. Is that true? That's a conflicting statement. But they're at complete peace with that, right? Why? Because what we're going to get into is it says there that it's based on this thing called relativism. Okay, relativism. Now, they don't call it relativism. What we're going to see is they have a buzzword for their mindset. Now, this one you have heard, and that's what's called tolerance. Isn't that the word? Tolerance. Now, that's basically relativism, basically. And so let's take a look at that issue there. He says uh, two conflicting statements that both cannot be true, but again, they don't have a problem with it. Therefore, they will teach that all religions are true, and there are many paths to God. Does that conflict with anything? Rhymes with John 14, 6. Hey, Mark, you discerning Christian, you, that's right, John 14, 6. Uh, Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. Nobody comes to the Father except by him. I actually have a tape in my office, uh, and uh, cassette tape, remember those days? You had to rub rocks together to get electricity created, but anyway, whatever. Or feed that squirrel. But anyway, so I digress. But I got this cassette tape there, and with the uh, New Age tape, and I specifically got it because these guys were being interviewed at the, I think it was the year 2000, I actually recorded it, and back in the day, the year 2000, uh, uh, URI, if you're familiar with those guys, United Religions Initiative. And they were signing the accords for United World Religions. This is how long it's been going on. So I got the actual recording, and I couldn't believe it. I was listening to it, and the guy asked the question I wish I could have been asking as I was listening to this. He said, well, hey, wait a second. What about John 14, 6? I'm going, ha, ha, ha. And I couldn't wait to hear this guy's answer. And you know what he said? 
This is relativism. This is the whole base. You're saying, oh, you got him there. How do you get around John 14, 6? You know what he said? Because again, relativism is basically the belief, whatever is true to you is true to you. Whatever is true to me is true to me. I decide what's right and wrong. Back off. Leave me alone. Okay, that's permeated in our society today. So basically what he did, he said, oh, well, see, what I think, you don't tell the word of God. You don't tell God what he thinks. He tells us. But anyway, he said, what I think Jesus really meant by that statement was, yeah, he did say the way, but we have to really ask ourselves, what is the way? And as we all know about Jesus, you know, him says there he's the truth as well, that the truth of life is he's come to share love, and that's what we need. So the way that he's talking about, the, in essence, the truth of his statement is that we just need to love one another and accept all religions. <laughs> Do you see how sneaky that is? You have a conflicting statement, and yet with relativism, hey, I guess it's okay. So let's deal with that a little bit tonight there. And this, again, is more relativism. Again, the buzzword today is tolerance. This is why, believe it or not, you and I go, like, how do you get around that? And this, when the Bible says there is only one God, that Jesus is the only way, etc., etc., absolute statements from God, how do they get around that? It's this issue of relativism. Again, relativism is basically there is no right and there is no wrong. Okay, you get to decide who and what is right or wrong. Again, the lie of Genesis chapter 3 from Satan. Okay, you'll be God. You get to discern between uh, good and evil. Okay, but then you start to think about it logically. If everything is right and there is no wrong, then what's the difference between an Adolf Hitler and a Franklin Graham? Right? What's the difference between a psychopath murderer and a soccer mom? Although I don't know if you've seen... Those soccer moms when their kids start losing. <laughs> no, I digress, but anyway. <laughs> okay. But I mean, we put it to the test, right? Excuse me. This, okay, you believe it all you want, but it's ludicrous. It's crazy. Relativism, right? Huh? That would mean then all forms of behavior must be okay, right? Be it, name of thing, murder, adultery, abortion, rape, etc. okay? But that's crazy. And it's not just crazy. It is absolutely ludicrous, okay? Because truth by its very nature is absolute, Right? Otherwise, it wouldn't be true. What makes something true is it's always right. Absolutely every time. Otherwise, it's not true. That's a bare bones definition of that. Okay? And just because you believe it doesn't make it true. Sincerity of opinion is no gauge to, uh, uh, on, to guard if something is true or not. It just means you could be sincerely wrong. How many guys thought something was true and you got it wrong before? Praise God, all of us, yeah. How many times does that happen? So do you want to be the authority of truth? How would your life go? And isn't that what happened before we got saved? Before we came upon the absolute truth of the word of God? Yeah, okay. So then that's the issue uh, that we have there, okay. Living like that is destructive. But again, let's put that to the test. Two plus two is... You guys are being intolerant. And I'm, I'm, I'm serious, because that's... I think it's five. <laughs> and he just hurt my self-esteem. <laughs> I'm like, I'm telling you, you're right. I'm going to Congress. You want to pass a law. You can't tell me that. Hey, this is good. I mean, I, of course, I'm being facetious and sarcastic to make a point. But give me a break. You can sit there and be, oh, I believe it's, I don't care if you believe it's five. It's not true. Mathematics doesn't care about your feelings. What makes something true is it's absolute, right? You can believe in your heart. Oh, I'm going to jump out of this airplane without a parachute. And I'm going to fly upwards into the sky. The absolute law of gravity will what? It will give you a serious wake-up call. Okay. Uh, very soon. Okay. Why? Because, again, truth by its very nature is absolute. That's what makes it true. Besides, again, we left off with this last time, if you recall. Uh, the moment that somebody says, there are no absolutes, you just made an absolute statement. So the next time they ask you, there, and they say, there are no absolutes, say this. Are you absolutely sure about that? <laughs> you can't escape it. Now, I've shared this before, but this is how ridiculous it is. Okay, Abraham Lincoln. Uh, apparently, this is what actually happened in a debate one time. Abraham Lincoln was trying to make a point in a debate, but his opponent was unconvinced and stubborn, so Lincoln tried another tactic with him. And he said to the man, well, let's see now. How many legs does a cow have? Four. You know your beef. That's good. And so Lincoln, he agreed, and he said, that's right. He says, now, suppose you call the cow's tail a leg. How many legs would the cow have? And the guy, a confident price, says, well, five, of course. And Lincoln came back. He says, now, that's where you're wrong. Calling a cow's tail a leg doesn't make it a leg. 
Okay? Now, me personally, if that's all you had to do to make that thing turn into a leg, I'd do it all day long. That's just that much more meat on that thing. Okay? <laughs> but listen, just because you say it, just because you believe it, just because you want it to be true, and that's this whole basis, that doesn't make something true. And yet, when we look at what's going on in our country today, with the decisions being made, being in the courtrooms, being in the classrooms, being in families, being in our society, in our own government, this is why it's so insane. It's like, how could you rule on that? How could you say that? How could you then force that upon the rest of us? How, look, don't you see what it's doing to our country? Because it's this mindset, and this comes from New Age. You've got to have relativism in place because you got to make the impossible seem possible. you got to make all religions on the planet say that they're all equal. Well, that's impossible. Not with this lie. You can intellectually make it sound great. Okay, So you have to have this in place. Now, again, they don't call it, I'm into relativism. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's too, I don't know, fancy way. But the buzzword today is tolerance. How many of you guys heard that? Tolerance, tolerance, all about tolerance. And if you don't do this tolerant thing, then you're intolerant, okay? And you're some sort of bigot and all that stuff, okay? Now, let's take a look at this word tolerance, okay? Now, let me take it one step further. What do they mean by tolerance? What they mean by tolerance is you should never, absolutely never, no, never, this is the most important virtue in society, no judge. You should not judge. How many guys heard that? That's basically their definition of tolerance in action. Now, how many guys have heard that in the church? I just, uh, when I was at Colorado, one of the messages I preached on was, is Obama a Muslim? And we dealt with that issue. And we're just flipping through videos, man, going through that study. And uh, 21 video clips. I didn't say it, he did. I didn't say it, his wife did. I didn't say it, the, UN, uh, the ambassador to Kenya said it. I didn't get back, right down the list, Right? And a Christian lady, and she didn't mean anything negative by it. I didn't take it that way. But she, was, she has this mindset, and this is, this is in the church. She goes, well, you know, I appreciate what you were sharing. And, and, and yeah, it sure appears that way. But you see, isn't that what's wrong with us as Christians? We, you're judging him, and, and, and we shouldn't judge. And I'm going, you know, I, I, hey, if it was a lost person coming up to me, I get it. They don't know, but this is in the church. Now, I'm going to share with you. We're going to do some flipping tonight in the scripture. I'm going to share with you three verses, and I want you to memorize these. I want you to practice, because I'm telling you, just like you need to know John 14, 6 in our pluralistic society today, you need to know these three scriptures, and you need to turn there quickly, and they're in chronological order, okay? And you will be able to dispel, not just for the non-Christian, frankly, sometimes the Christian. Yes, we should judge as Christians. That's a lie from the pit of hell. This is the basis of relativism that you shouldn't judge. That's not what the scripture teaches. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. Let's turn there first. That's your first one, Matthew 7, and uh, let's take a look there. Classic passage, Matthew 7, and here's what they do, here's what they bait you, because it sounds biblical, right? Well, again, you're guilty of pulling one verse completely out of context, okay? Happens all the time. Matthew 7, verse 1 says this, do not judge, or you too will be judged. There it is, can't judge, that's what the Bible says. Oh, well, excuse me? Keep reading. What it says? For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So what's the point? Judge all right, but be careful how you do it. Because you reap what you sow. Number one. Number two doesn't mean you can't ever speak up and say nothing. Keep reading. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye? When, when the whole time there's a plank in your own eye. You what? You hypocrite, come on. First of all, take the plank out of your own eye and then keep your mouth shut because you can't judge. Oh, I'm sorry, keep reading. Then, then what? Then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. It doesn't say you should never judge. It says be careful how you do it. You might want to mix some mercy in there because you're going to reap what you sow. Number two, it says don't ever judge. He says get rid of your hypocrisy first and then help your brother out who is wrong. Right? So it's completely twisting the scripture. Now, believe it or not, Jesus told us to judge. Now, this is Matthew 7. Turn to John 7, okay? John 7. You flip over there. John chapter 7. And we're going to start with verse 21. In the context, Jesus is doing miracles, and the people are coming up to him, how dare you do this on the Sabbath? Blah, blah, blah. And Jesus is going to basically say, you guys are a bunch of hypocrites. Right? You got a double standard here. 
I'm healing a guy on the Sabbath, and yet, and you saying I'm doing something wrong, yet you do other things on the Sabbath, and you don't sneeze at it, right? Listen to what Jesus said, verse 21. Jesus told you, I did one miracle, and you were all astonished. Yet because Moses gave you circumcision, though actually it did not come from Moses, but from the patriarchs, you circumcised a child on the Sabbath. Now, if a child can be circumcised on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses not, may not be broken, why are you angry with me for healing the whole man on the Sabbath? What's he say? Stop judging. Oh, there it is. Stop judging. No, just keep your mouth shut. Keep reading. Stop judging by mere appearances. And listen, now here's an order. Make a right judgment. So what did Jesus say? He didn't say don't ever judge. He says when you judge, don't be a hypocrite about it. Just what Matthew 7 said, complete agreement there. But he clearly says, make a judgment. But when you do it, do it right. Don't be a hypocrite about it, right? He didn't say don't judge. Now, Matthew 7, John 7, 1 Corinthians 6, turn there. Okay, three passages, and this is the, to me, is the nail in the coffin. How in the world do you get and sit there and say we shouldn't judge? <laughs> Especially after this one, come on. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, okay. And uh, Paul talks about, it's talking to the church, right? You shouldn't judge in the church. Church should never judge. Christians shouldn't judge. Judge, really? What Bible are you reading? Right? Let's take a look there. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1. Now, if any of you, Paul says, has a dispute with another, okay, chapter 6, verse 1, dare he take it before the ungodly for what? Judgment instead of before the who? So what's he say? You're going to judge. Don't be doing it out in the world. That's a bad witness. You need to take care of it in-house. That's what they were not doing. And listen to what he says. Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if you are to judge the world, are you not competent to judge trivial cases? Do you not know that we will judge the angels? How much more things of this life? Therefore, if you have disputes about such matters, appoint as judges, even men of little account. I say this because you guys are so tolerant, and that's such a positive virtue as a Christian. Oh, I'm sorry, what did he say? I say this to shame you. Is it not possible that there's nobody among you wise enough to judge a dispute between believers? But instead, one brother goes to law against another, and this in front of the unbelievers. What kind of a witness is that? First of all, you are judging because you got courtrooms. Nobody has a problem with that. If relativism is true, why do we have courts of law? Why do we ever get stopped by a, a police officer because you obeyed the absolute law you disobeyed it right is that right why do we have jails why do we incarcerate people why do we have lawyers why do we have all this stuff because we in society make judgments and uphold those judgments even from a civil thing it's the same thing spiritually that's what paul says excuse me christians you need to judge in fact stop going out there in the world for judgment you need to deal with it in-house i say this to shame you you guys are not judging it's a horrible witness but does he say you should never judge no, of course not. Now, in essence, okay, we're not really the ones who are judging, are we? What are we doing? We're just the newspaper boy or newspaper girl. We're reporting God's judgments. Because we all know the Ten Commandments are ten suggestions from God. No, they're absolute statements. You shall not. You shall not. You shall not. Okay? And that's all I'm doing. I'm just, I didn't say this. God did. I'm just reporting the news. So, in essence, I'm not really judging you. Who is? God is. Why? Because God is the truth. He makes up the rules. He's the judge with a capital J, right? And so that's so. In essence, I'm not really judging anybody. I'm just upholding God's judgment. So don't fall for that one uh, either. But let's continue on. Uh, tolerance. Okay. Now you're thinking tolerance. You might be a little bit confused. But as we talked before, the reason why is because now there is two definitions today of tolerance, and the one that you and I believe in and we're brought up with is called negative tolerance. Let me share this with you. Um, and it uh, says this. Now, wait a minute. You said, you said, I thought tolerance was good. He said, that's the problem. He said, your little kid comes home from school, and that very sincere Christian mother from the most fundamental evangelical church meets their child and says, hey, honey, how was school today? What did you talk about? And the child pipes up and says, we talked about tolerance. And the Christian mother goes, oh, that's wonderful. Jesus taught us to be tolerant. And the guy says, absolutely not. He said, that mother is undermining everything she believes, and it won't take years. It's only going to take months to come back and haunt her. And you say, well, wait a second. What's going on here? I thought tolerance was good. He says, the problem is there's, they switched the term on us. The one that we believe in is called historical traditional tolerance or negative tolerance. 
Okay, and it's the one that we've been conditioned to think of. Okay, uh, it's uh, defined by Webster. Used to be defined by Webster as to bear up or put up with something or something that's not especially liked. Or in our Christian circles, we would say this phrase: God has called me as a Christian to love the sinner but hate the. He said that's one of the most bigoted statements you can make today. You are being absolutely intolerant. You make that statement in the average classroom today, and the entire class will turn on you. The bigotry, the intolerance to say, love the sin or hate the sin. The reason why is because there's a second definition of tolerance. And he says, by and large, 90% of the time or more, anytime you hear the word tolerance in the media, in the news, the educational system, and other people's verbiage, they're talking about this definition of tolerance. And here's the new one, the positive tolerance, they call it. Every single individual values, beliefs, lifestyles, and claims to truth are equal. All values, all beliefs, all truth, all lifestyles are equal. And if you dare say that there is a value, belief, a lifestyle, a claim, or truth greater than another, it's called hierarchy, and that's the new definition of bigotry. A bigot today is someone who is committed to a moral hierarchy that says that there is a difference between values and beliefs, lifestyles, and claims to truth. That's why this book is now in the courts being discussed, not only here in America, but around the world as a hate crime. This is a bigot book because it's full of what? Hierarchy, absolutes, rights and wrongs. Tolerance, which is nothing more than relativism, is winning the day. And it's been in our country for at least a good 40, 50 years. If you do the study, the Greek, I think it was called the Sophists. If you look at the Grecian society, Later, the Romans, Romans take over. The Grecians, the last 40 years of their existence, the sophists took control. You know what the sophists believed in? Relativism. Destroyed their country. How long have we been into it? How are we doing? Gets worse by the week. Okay? But let's continue on. He goes this. He says, now, let me uh, share this problem. He says, it's one thing if they want to believe that. This is where we're getting the pressure from the homosexual community, and now they got the transsexual thing that's going on issue. They demand our praise we can't just say well well, okay that's what you believe whatever i respectfully just they are demanding we praise it let me read that to you okay what it means is we not only want your permission we demand your praise and if you do not value my lifestyle my claim to truth as equal to your own from the heart you are a bigot and you are intolerant that's positive tolerance and he says this let me show you how this has already hit the church and it's hit the church for a long time what is, he says, can you tell me historically what is the number one verse quoted from the scriptures by Christians, non-Christians, Christian young people, non-Christian young people, media, everything. What is the number one verse quoted historically by the scriptures? John 3, 16, he says, do you know what it is now? Have you been listening? Have you been listening to our young people? Far away, out and above everything, the number one verse quoted from Christian young people from the Bible is Matthew 7, 1. Just the first part, though. Judge not, lest you be judged. Why? Because the moment you make a judgment, you're saying there's a hierarchy, and that means you're a bigot and you are intolerant. And it makes you stand against the number one virtue in culture, tolerance. All is equal. And he warns this, and he says this, Christian love and the now number one virtue of society cannot coexist. Tolerance. And he gives an example. Jesus loved the woman at the well, right? John 4. And in love and compassion, he said to her, go call your husband. And she said, sir, I don't have a husband. And in loving compassion, Jesus said, that's right. You've had five husbands, and the one you're living with right now is not your husband. He said, Jesus exposed her lifestyle. He was witnessing to her. He exposed her lifestyle. He called it a sin. Now, again, did he expose her lifestyle as an alternative lifestyle or a sinful lifestyle? You bigot, you're intolerant. What gives you the right to have a corner on the truth? Who are you to make a moral hierarchy? How and isn't that what happens when we're just teaching basic biblical truth? And can I tell you something? It's in the church. I'm just quoting scripture. What are you talking about? What are you getting mad at me for? I was trained in a seminary and praise God for this from Dr. Couch. He said, listen, when somebody comes into you, first of all, don't have meetings alone. Always have a witness when somebody wants to come nail on you. He said, but basically you sit there and listen, I'll apologize right in front of these people. Whatever, if I did something that was unbiblical, Right? And, and heretical, let's, I'll, right now, we'll deal with it right now. But I want you to show me from this book what I did that was wrong. Nothing. But that's just it. See, your problem, you might take it out on me. 
or any of us as Christians, when we stand up for God's absolute truth, but who are you really taking it out on? Man, has that been a comfort to me over the years uh, as a pastor, as a Christian, okay? That's really what it is. They're taking it out on us, but it's really against God. Now, again, tolerance, this is what's going on. Remember our study we did, the Christian response to the Supreme Court decision, okay? And remember in Romans chapter 1, what did God warn? When you go down this route, you think it's bad now? Once you accept, I didn't say it, God did, Romans chapter 1, remember that? Homosexuality, lesbianism, called it correctly out there. You know what God said? He says, you're going to get handed over now to a depraved mind. And you're going to start doing it. He starts listening to even more wicked things. I mean, it's all wicked, but the wicked thing. He even says, you're going to get so bad, you're going to invent ways of doing evil. And then you're going to approve. We want your praise. We're going to approve of things that ought not to be done. Now, right after, if you've been paying attention, right after that uh, Supreme Court hearing, within days, I think it was two days, you know what already went to the courts? Polygamy. They're trying to legalize polygamy. Okay, so that's big in the Mormon community, believe it or not. Okay, still is today. Okay, they want to say, oh no, it is. Okay, but other people, well, well hey, if, that's, if you're going to redefine marriage, <laughs> I guess anything goes. Right? I decide what's, who are you? you you're, you're intolerant. Right? That has infected our court system. That's why we're sitting there racking our brain going, what is going on? This makes no sense. Okay, but now what's the big hot topic? The transsexual thing, right? Being crammed down our throats big time, okay? Now, I just got this on my way in. I just got it literally about 15 minutes before I left the house. Let me tell you how big this thing's coming down the pike. Remember? And, and oh, how long did it take for the homosexual community to make it to the Supreme Court? Took, took quite a few years. How long, once you opened up that Pandora's box, did the next issue come in? Very quick. I'm telling you, the next ones to follow are coming quick as well. Listen to this. Iowa Civil Rights Commission is, being, uh, uh, is claiming that they have the right to control the content of church services that are, quote, open to the public. So at church service, we say we're open to the public, right? This is just printed out before I came here. The commission believes, as its interpretation of the law uh, that follows, to, quote, force churches to allow individuals access to church restrooms, shower facilities, changing rooms based on his or her gender identity, irrespective of biological sex. It's a transsexual issue. And it's part of the implementation of, quote, President Obama's declared foreign policy priority in his final year in office, gay rights. That's your foreign policy? What? Okay, and they'll just share this. Not only does the commissioner, uh, the commission's open restrooms mandate violate the church's right, the language of the act and the city code are broad enough to include with, uh, within that prohibitions of sermons, theological expositions, educational speeches, newsletters, church worship bulletins, texts, etc., or other statements from the church and its leaders. The speech ban could be used to gag churches for making any public comments, including from the pulpit, that could be viewed as unwelcome to the persons who do not identify uh, with their biological sex. What's the whole thing about? It's about shutting you and I up. Why? Because Christian love God's commandments. Name one commandment that's bad for us. Not one. Christian love, upholding God's commandments, his absolute truth, cannot coexist with the number one virtue in society. Tolerance. Which is basically, don't tell me what to do. Which is the lie from Genesis chapter 3. Your theological term is called relativism, and that's what New Age needs to have to pull off its last day's lie. That's why things are going downhill, and that's why they're not getting better. Because we have removed any standard of right or wrong okay but again so does that mean well i mean let's put it to the test what if another person's value uh was to teach their children to steal for a living i mean that's their value remember all lifestyles all values all beliefs are equal what if that was their sincerely held belief is that right you're gonna have to say yes what if it was a mother's value to teach her daughter a fulfilling lifestyle honey uh prostitution or a father hey son i want to teach you how to be a real man beat up women I mean, he really believed that. We're supposed to allow that? If you bought into this new definition of tolerance, you'd have to say so. Now, what do you say? What if it was somebody's value to molest his or her children? Would that make it right? Now, every fiber of us would scream absolutely. What, what did you say? Absolutely not. Have you been paying attention to the news? Do you know what's coming next after this transsexual one? you have any idea? Two things. It's already started. Pedophilia and bestiality. 
Go look in the news. Right now, Canada is adjusting their laws on bestiality, and so is Germany. What did God warn in Romans chapter 1? You do this. You have the audacity to do this. As a creator, I created you male and female. Oh, you want to open up? You want to go down the homosexual, the lesbian route? Do you think it's bad now? You think you, you ain't seen nothing yet. All because you removed the moral basis of that. But again, this is what you need to have if you're going to pull off this last day's new age lie. Because again, you got conflicting beliefs. God says, uh-uh. I say, uh-huh. Right? And so they come up with this relativism mindset. Oh, I guess it all works. But the hypocrisy, remember Jesus said, don't, uh, you can judge, just don't be a hypocrite about it. Make a right judgment. Right? They tell us their definition of tolerance, don't judge. You can't judge. But you know what their hypocrisy is? You're judging me as a Christian. You're a hypocrite. You can't even live up to the very thing you're trying to cram down my throat. Hypocrisy. Let's continue on. So that's relativism. That's their belief system. That's why you're sitting there and you're looking at this stuff. As we continue with their belief system, you're like, oh, that's crazy. Who would buy into that? This is how they rationalize it. And it explains a lot of baloney we're going through as a country, doesn't it? And that tells you, listen, how far this new age... Oh, I'm not a new ager. I don't wear a triangle on my head. You might as well be one because you have this mindset that truth is up to you. Okay? Let's move on. Next says this. Now, there, uh, this guy, one, uh, Douglas, whatever his name is there, identifies uh, six distinctives of new age thinking. Listen to this, okay? He says this, all is one. Okay, and again, it's kind of a challenge because it's, anything goes. You make it up, you're on the... Uh, but basically, if you're trying to summarize it, all is one, all is God, humanity is God, a change in consciousness, we need to realize that we are God. Okay, and all religions are what? One. Does the Bible talk about that? Yeah, it says in the last days, that's what's going to happen. Except you don't want to be a part of that. <laughs> yeah. Okay, but that's their, got to have all these religions in one. Well, how are you going to pull it off? It's crazy because as we're seeing in our study, we got a long ways to go. They're, they're not even the same at all. How could you say they're one? That's the most crazy. Not if you believe in this. Not if you have a tolerant attitude, as they define tolerance. Right? You got to have it to pull this off. Okay. And cosmic evolutionary optimism. We're just going to spiritually evolve. Mankind's going to rise on the ashes. Notice how evolution is key uh, to this lie. Okay. Now, another uh, researcher, uh, Norman Geisler, he points out 14 primary doctrines of New Age religions. And that's this, an impersonal God, not like what we have, personal relationship, Abba Father, just a force, eternal universe, and illusory nature of matter, a cyclical nature of life, uh, the necessity, you know, karma, and necessity of reincarnations, the, oh, oh, there it is again, the evolution of man into Godhood. That's crazy. Mormons believe that. As we saw last week, a whole bunch of other people do uh, because of that. Uh, and again, why is that important? Because in the last days, who's going to go up into the rebuilt Jewish temple and say, hey, come to Carl's Jr. to get a cheeseburger with me? No, what's he going to say? Worship me as God. You think, that's crazy. Nobody buy into that. You lay this foundation, people, okay, sure. Hinduism, we got 330 million, what's another one? Right? Okay. Uh, number, and the continuing uh, revelations from beyond the world. See, that's the problem. You're beyond the scripture. As we're going to see, it's all, anything goes. And not just meditation and, and, and trances and transcendental meditation and breathing techniques and altered state of consciousness. It's in the occult. It's actual communication with demons. Now, you don't call them demons because people freak out. So you just call them higher power, space brothers, and we'll get to that uh, eventually. Uh, so outside the scripture, that's why anything goes. Okay, the identity of man with God, the need for meditation and other conscious changing techniques, because you gotta, you gotta get into the altars, you gotta get into that state to receive the new truth. Okay, uh, and continues on, occult practices, astrology, mediums, etc. Lord willing, we're probably gonna have a whole study just on all those techniques, because they're everywhere today. Oh, wait a second. Uh, now, I'm not making this up. What's number 11 there? There it says this. See, you guys think I'm just doing this just because the, uh, the, the cow, chicken, vegetarian debate thing. No, I've been here, folks. Okay, I've been here with this vegetarianism, holistic health. And these are one of the two big platforms they're using to seduce people in. Has anybody noticed that America's just a little bit health crazy? Right? So, I mean, I, I try to be in decent health, you know. I mean, we're all going to die, right? Uh, me personally, I'm going to try to make it the last thing I do. 
But, I mean, so I'm you know, trying to be, you know, okay, I'm not against health, stuff, whatever, but that's not what these people think. It's a spiritual health. And we can use the forces with this spiritual massage and this raking, the reflexology, and acupuncture. We'll get into all that stuff. And same thing, that, oh, hey, save the planet. We all got to become one to save the planet. Eating animals is destroying the earth and wrecking the peace of mankind. What happened to just eating green beans? It's not just about green beans anymore. It's about a, a way of life, saving the planet, one world, all joined. I'm telling you, it's been hijacked. Okay, number 12, uh, pass, pacifism, anti-war activities, one world global order, and the syncretism, the unity of all religions, it says there. New Agers employed a mixed bag of almost infinite number of occult practices, far too many to identify. Again, we'll get into that uh, later. There are, however, words and phrases, buzzwords, if you will, that may serve as warning signs that a particular belief, practice, or group is involved with the New Age movement and is incompatible with the Christian faith. So if you're out there on Facebook, you're on social networking, you're talking to your coworker or your family member, and some of these little buzzwords come up, folks, I'm telling you, it's New Age. Remember what you saw? When you see the phrase interfaith, interfaithism, ecumenical, what does that mean? One world religion. New world order, global governance, globalism. What's that mean? One world government. So how do you know somebody's getting into new age? Here's some buzzwords. Let's take a look at this. Here's the phrases they use. Uh, monism, pantheism, reincarnation, karma. Ooh, what's that word again? Evolution. Very interesting. I wonder why we spent 42 weeks. Who's counting? I am. 42 weeks dis, uh, dispelling that lie. Because this not only undermines everything we believe in, but you need this lie to pull off the last day's lie as well. Uh, evolution, personal transformation, unlimited human potential, reality creating, energy alignment, energy healing, energy focusing, uh, uh, attunement, at one minute. Notice how they take our Christian word atonement, and really what it means is we need to channel the same power that Jesus did and become the Christ consciousness, because that's really where he got his power. We could be the same. We could be the Christ. We could be at one minute. And they twist the verbiage uh, as well. Enlightenment, inner power, goddess within. Boy, that's popular amongst teenagers today, especially girls. Uh, Wicca, witchcraft, is being uh, promoted to them. Uh, and also the feminist movement. Uh, Mother Earth, sensory deprivation. Why would you want to do that? Remember that eye float thing that's now in Vegas? You float, right, in the salt thing. And, well, because then you get into an altered state of consciousness. And what happens is when you get into an altered state of consciousness, you're going to connect with something. It's a spiritual trip. It's not just a physical thing. Except you're not, going to, you're not going to connect with the Spirit of God. Okay? Uh, intuitive abilities, near-death experiences, chakras, gurus, tarot, Kabbalah. That's the Jewish mysticism we saw before. Pyramids, crystal power. Now, remember uh, last week we were here, we saw that if you really want to be a part of this great cosmic awakening and channel into this hundredth monkey thing, and if we get enough of us uh, to work together and we can have this great cosmic evolutionary spiritual leap into the new age of Aquarius, that we just need to get enough people channeling these forces at the same time. Remember, I said there was power centers that they believe around the earth, Mount Shasta, Mount Fuji, Sedona, etc. And part of it I forgot to explain was some of the legends, right? They say that the reason why it's so powerful, man, at Mount Shasta, tuning with the forces, is because there's a giant crystal. And crystals help, you know, achieve a greater vibration and connection, right? Okay. Now, in case you can't make the trip to Mount Shasta, if you go into a lot of new age places, but they're even coming out of the new age, you notice people are wearing crystals, right? So it's not just for jewelry anymore. They believe these crystals are helping tune them into the forces. It's help them to connect better. It's like getting better cable reception. Uh, that's really a vernacular way to explain it. It's a spiritual mindset. It's helping me stay connected to the forces. I can achieve greater. Oh, when I, oh, when I meditate with my crystal on, I, man, I'm there like that. You know, because it really helps give me a boost. That's the mentality. It's, just, it's a rock. Okay, but anyway, that's, that's part of the belief system. All right, uh, so it goes on. He says there, crystal power, auras, color balancing, psychic centering, you, what, what, what? UFOs, extraterrestrials, and brotherhood of light. Now, once again, in order to fall for the UFO lie, what do you got to believe in? Evolution. Because what's the premise of their supposed identity? We, we are higher evolved race coming from the end of the universe to help mankind. And what do you tell mankind? You need a one world religion, a one world ruler, one world government. We need a world authority on taxes and money and food. And what's that sound like? So you come all the way to the edge of the universe, supposedly to promote the Antichrist kingdom and slam Jesus. 
Sounds like a demon to me. But again, you need to have this mindset of evolution. They're higher evolved. And then you need to have it uh, also to spiritually evolve. So Darwinism uh, is key in New Age as well. Uh, continues on with that. He says, uh, higher consciousness, cosmic consciousness, the Christ. Not Christ, not Jesus Christ, the Christ. Because they take that as a, a force, something you could become, the Christ. Right? And uh, continues on. He says, uh, uh, ascended master, spirit guides, again, meditation and yoga, guided imagery, visualization, astral projection, silver cord, inner light, out-of-body experiences, mystics, metaphysical, holistic healing again, therapeutic touch, biofeedback. Hey, this is not uh, new age, it's science, helping you to get rid of stress. Where have you heard that lie before? Hinduism, remember, that's all they did. Switched it to scientific terms. and No, you're being led into Hinduism. Uh, transpersonal science. Oh, what's that? Psychology's into this. Yeah, psychology's into it. Uh, hypnotherapy. Oh, boy. Uh, paranormal parapsychology. All the ghost shows, medium stuff and that. That's straight up new age, man. Okay. Higher self, personal transformation, and values clarification. That sounds like stuff our government uses. Values clarification. Oh, yeah, it's new age stuff. Okay, and listen, well, this major goal of New Age movement is to bring peace to the world upon entering the age of Aquarius. This will be accomplished primarily through the leadership of the Christ. Their term that they use is called Maitreya, okay? As you can see there, Lord Maitreya, who will supposedly come back, okay, to teach us to live at peace with one another. Some of the other stated goals of the movement are to establish, listen to this, tell me if this doesn't sound like maybe a book you might have read one time in the Bible. Here's what we need to do. To bring peace to the planet. We need world food authority. Come Sunday, it's so funny, I just happened to land on this, and this Sunday, it's almost like God's got a plan, he's marching it all out for us. We're going to talk about how our food supply is now locked into the hands of three entities in the world. Three entities own all the food in the planet. And these guys, that's what you need. We need to control the food supply. Also need to control the water. Check out what the UN's doing. I think it's called the... the blue project blue ocean blue global project they are literally saying that we have domain over all water on the planet to protect it of course it's like you've got to be kidding me uh world economic order and in entirely new world order what does this sound like i remember i was talking to bobby on the way in i'll never forget when i got i got saved out of this stuff right and i'm a brand new spanking christian i'm in bible college i never read the bible before obviously i certainly wasn't into bible prophecy i never read the book of revelation and then i come i get acquainted with it i'm going whoa what one world order a one world economy and one world religion and the bible is the only book on the planet that says don't you dare go there that's the antichrist not the christ the antichrist the bad guy with the false prophet. This is bad stuff. And it blew me away. you got to be kidding me. Right? And he says, it should be noted here that one of the requirements, listen to this, for a person to enter the new age is that he or she will have to take what is known as the what? This is what new age teaches. Not just an initiation. What's the word that's used there? Luciferic. Now you say, well, hey, uh, no way. Nobody's going to do that because everybody knows about Lucifer. You don't understand. New age is teaching and has been teaching for a long time that Lucifer is a good guy. Lucifer mean light bearer. That's what new age. Light, be a channel of light. Bring in the light, the new light. Disseminate the new light, the better light, the light that we can all channel on and bring in this great. They say he's a good guy. And evangelical Christianity messed it up. He came to help us. But those evangelical Christians say he's bad. Well, they're wrong. That's what they teach. So they're teaching people right now, listen to Satan. He's here to free us. And you know what the, one of the messages is? Same line in the Garden of Eden. Do whatever you want. You know what the number one law of Satanism is? Do what you will shall be the whole of the law. That's Satanism. It's all right here. But it's a Luciferic initiation. Oh, by the way, we'll get into this. I think the final chapter, Lord willing, if we're still alive and still here. Freemasonry. Freemason, when you get to the top orders, the first three level initiates, they don't realize what they're getting into. It's just a good old buddies club. Uh, it's to help out the community. It's frankly to help out business because you will get business from it. Mormons do the same thing, which isn't surprising because Joseph Smith, as we'll see, ripped off a lot of his secret techniques from Freemasonry, but whatever. Okay, you're not supposed to know that. But anyway, uh, so, but you find out when you get to the top who the light is that you're working with, and it's Lucifer. Luciferic initiation. Okay, is a kind of pledge of allegiance to the Christ 
of the new age and to the new world order. Well, wait a second. What's the Bible say is going to happen in the seven-year tribulation with the Antichrist and the false prophet? You're going to have to go through an initiation ritual. At one point, they're going to say, you better take this mark, worship, or what? Die. These people are preparing people that this is a good thing to go through this initiation ritual. The Bible says you don't want to have any part to do with that. Okay? Praise God. As Christians, we're out of here before that even starts, but uh, you need to warn people. Okay? Uh, to escape that. But anyway, the primary goals of the movement then are to prepare the world to receive the Christ. Notice it's not just Christ. The Christ. And to enter the age of Aquarius and thus establish the new world order. Now, let me as we close. Uh, what's the Bible say about this mindset? Is this really going to lead to world peace? No, it's going to destroy you. Isaiah chapter 5 verse 20. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Who substitute darkness for light and light for darkness. Who substitute bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Did God say you're in for wild, wonderful times? No, he said you're in for woeful times. And he's not talking about riding a horse. Whoa. Okay, no, it's bad stuff. <laughs> okay, bad stuff, bad time. Uh, Judges 17.6. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his eyes. Have you noticed Israel during that time? Was it a great time for them? Uh -uh. Kept getting in trouble again and again because everybody did what was right in their own eyes. Deuteronomy 12a, you shall not do as we're doing here today. Every man doing whatever is right in his own eyes eyes and as i said last time 55 percent of the church says the bible has errors in it and 50 percent of the church says there is no absolute truth so even people who go to church services half of them right now are under the sway of this lie isn't that wild 49 percent of pastors across america don't have a biblical worldview so one out of two churches you go to, you're not even getting the Bible. And the stat that just, that's out is 93% of professing Christians do not have a biblical worldview. Can I translate that for you? 93% of people who call themselves Christians are not thinking biblically. They're thinking something else. And half of you already admitted that there is no truth. You just need to tolerate New age has perm. See, you don't know. Everybody thinks new age. Oh, triangles. Uh, we would never fall for that. You're already falling for it. When you say 55% that the Bible has errors in it and there's no absolute truth, what in the world are you resting your eternal destiny on? Okay. But let me close this. Remember, he said the whole goal is a Maitreya, this ruler, whatever. Well, believe it or not, they've already aired commercials on CNN promoting this guy saying he's on the planet behind the scenes and he's going to make his appearance. When the time is right. Maybe when we get raptured. But anyway, I'm going to read to you two transcripts of two commercials that actually appeared on CNN. Quote, if the Christ or Buddha returned today, would you recognize him? The one awaited by all major religions has come when we least expected it. He's ready to emerge openly very soon. Look for a bright star shining in the night sky and day as a sign of his public emergence. What's he trying to act like? It's a false Christ, like Jesus in his birth. Second commercial, imagine Imagine a world free of war and poverty and injustice, where sharing and cooperation replace greed and competition, where peace born of justice prevails, and in the midst of today's chaos, is this new world possible? Now in our midst, we have help of an extraordinary kind, expected from every major faith. He awaits our invitation. Matreya, the world teacher, is now among us. Actual commercials on CNN. You can check it out yourself. Now, they believe that once this, uh, the occult believes that once all the religions world, they come together and they're expecting it soon, this is from them, a religious leader will be chosen to be the earth's religious spokesperson. I wonder what global religious leader would speak religiously for the planet. Hmm. We don't see anybody. There's a couple examples that would come to mind very easily. Runs with the Pope or Dalai Lama or something like that, or who knows, right? Okay, but what the, their plans are, they're going to combine uh, into Jerusalem. They're going to make a global religious center where all religions can come and worship. This is actually going on right now as we speak. And some people say, you know, not saying thus saith the Lord, but when the Antichrist, which is the very event that starts the seven-year tribulation, Daniel 9.27, when the Antichrist makes a peace treaty with Israel, maybe that's part of the carrot, is, okay, now you can build your temple. But the mindset of the temple isn't just for the Jewish people. It's for all people. 
And then, of course, and everybody's all tolerant, and we're all one, and those nasty Christians are out of here. The Antichrist just messes it up. He goes up in there, right, and he says, now worship me. It's all a big, giant setup. Okay, now you're thinking nobody's going to buy into that. Let me give you a couple quick examples. Uh, different religions around the planet right now are calling for that global religious center. Uh, King Abdullah of Saudi Arabia is, quote, planning for years to find a way to unite the world's religions in an effort to help foster peace. And he believes that a new international organization will help make that dream a reality. Chief Rabbi Yonah Metzger, this is Israel. Oh, Israel will never go along with this. One of their chief rabbis said, quote, we need a united relations of religions. Just like the UN governs, the governments tries to. They want one for all religions. Okay, which would contain representatives of the world's religions as opposed to nations. United, the world's faithful to key is key to world peace. We must promote a respect for the differences among different religions. A church, a mosque, a synagogue, or a holy temple must be the embassies of God. And we have to spread this idea to all of our believers. And he suggested the Dalai Lama could lead the assembly. You think, well, the Muslims aren't going to go along with it. Well, they got their... Uh, uh, moderate as well, uh, fake ones. Muslim leader Adnan Akhtar, he met with the three representatives from the uh, Jewish Sanhedrin, which instituted again, that was kind of crazy. An official statement, he says, we are all sons of one father, the descendants of Adam, and all humanity is but a single family. Peace among nations will be achieved by building the house of God where all peoples serve. And he said that we will, the temple will be rebuilt and all believers will worship there in tranquility. And he said this, and the temple could be rebuilt in one year. So if you're not going to say that, say the Lord. Church disappears. Daniel 9.27 makes a peace treaty to Antichrist. Exactly what Revelation 6 says. It starts off with this false peace, false utopia that New Age is saying you need to be along with. And they can get that temple up within a one year. Have a great time until the midway point. And you thought the first half was bad. You ain't seen nothing yet. It's going to go downhill from there. Now, and I quote, I'll close with this. They believe the reason why it's taken so long for this to happen, to bring this peace to the planet, is guess who? You and I, the Christian, are messing things up. And I quote, these people who are restraining or holding, does the Bible talk about a restrainer? These people who are restraining or holding things up won't necessarily die, but will somehow mysteriously disappear or, quote, elect to leave this dimension as if going to another room. What does that sound like? Sounds like the rapture. Okay, and they believe that once these troublemakers disappear, peace, safety, antichrist. And I'll close with this, because I want to bring this element in. Of all things for these critters to come supposedly across the galaxy, higher evolved beings, you know what they're also lying to people about? They're trying to explain away the pre-trib position of the rapture, of all positions, not the post-trib, the pre-trib, okay? Not the pre-wrath, not the mid-trib, pre-trib. Okay, whatever, I don't base my belief on the pre-trib because of demonic utterances. I base it on the Bible. But it is very interesting. You're a liar, and of all things for you to try to lie away from is this one, but whatever. You came here, and you're the perfect excuse to explain away the rapture of the church so that people think that being left behind is a good thing because they're entering this age of Aquarius. Yeah, yeah, we just got shocked that a whole bunch of people disappeared, including your loved ones. <gasps> but you're a chosen one. Those people, here's some actual channel messages and we'll close. I'm not making this up. And I still have this particular book in my office somewhere in a box in the garage over there. Got to get it unpacked later. But anyway, so... <laughs> Barbara Marciniak, she used to be a big uh, New Age uh, lady that I used to follow, channeled messages uh, from extraterrestrials, supposedly from the star system Pleiades. She said, quote, here's what these aliens, supposedly, they're demons, but they said to her, quote, there will be shiftings, great shiftings within humanity on this planet, and it will seem that great chaos and turmoil are forming, that nations are rising against each other in war, and that earthquakes are happening more frequently. Well, this must be some secret. No, just read the Bible. It's there. But whatever. Okay. Uh, Earth is shaking itself free. A, a certain realignment or adjustment period is to be expected. Quote, the people who leave the planet during the time of the earth changes do not fit here any longer. They are stopping the harmony of the earth. When the time comes that perhaps 20 million people leave the planet at one time, there will be a tremendous shift in consciousness for those who remain. You bet you there will.
Chandler, uh, Thelma Terrell, she wrote a book, a New Age book. It's called World, uh, Project World Evacuation. And here's what the aliens told her. Our rescue ships will be able to come in close enough at the twinkling of an eye. Notice how they pepper in biblical phrases. Make it sound biblical. In the twinkling of an eye to set the lifting beams in operation in a moment. And all over the globe, were war uh, Vince warned, this will be the method of evacuation. Mankind will be lifted, levitated, shall we say, by the beams of our smaller ships. These smaller craft, in turn, will taxi the persons to larger ships overhead, higher in the atmosphere, where there is ample space and quarters and supplies for millions of people. The great evacuation will come upon the world very suddenly. The flash of emergency events will be like as lightning flashes in the sky. So why did your loved one disappear? It wasn't the rapture. No, once again, they got it wrong, just like Lucifer, right? They were stopping the harmony of the earth. But they're okay. The UFOs, we all know UFOs are true. And haven't you seen the movies for 20 years now? Giving you the perfect visual experience in your brain. You don't even have to invent it. People getting sucked up by the aliens. I mean, you've seen the movies, right? That's all it was. And then, boy, to sell the lie, you have some religious person on a global broadcast that rhymes with the Pope or something like that. Oh, it, it, isn't the Vatican saying they believe in extraterrestrials? And that Jesus really wasn't their main astronomer saying that he was a starseed child straight from the Vatican. And that the Pope says that if there are ETs, that he'd be willing to baptize them. Not making it up. But how much would it sell just like that if the Pope got up there and says, hey, as you can tell, the governments, you've known it for years, but we've, we've held it from you for your own protection. Aliens are real. But I'm here to tell you that these are our brothers. And they're here to help us now as we enter into this new world, new age. As you can tell, the unthinkable has just happened. Peace in the Middle East. A deal has actually been struck. All religions have come together as one. We have a new headquarters now to worship in Jerusalem. We have a new headquarters that will govern the planet. No more will there be war. We entered into the new age. People eat it up right and left. One guy says this. He says, for almost 2,000 years, the Christian belief has been that God will evacuate the earth of all born-again believers prior to the pouring out of his wrath in the seven-year tribulation. But for many, now, for many years now, many among the New Age movement have received messages from aliens and spirit guides that Mother Earth will soon cleanse herself by ejecting all those with bad vibratory patterns, i.e. the Christians, to another realm, allowing ascended masters and aliens to help bring upon a golden age upon the earth. Nah, nobody fall for that lie. Do you see how far this mindset that you need to have to take conflicting views and merge them into one has already gone, not just in the world, but even in the church. And you've seen some of the videos that I've shared. When the rapture happens, you notice that the pews are not completely empty. How many people are going to church services? Which, by the way, doesn't save you. Right? Don't believe in absolute truth, which means you don't absolutely believe what God says, that he's absolutely holy, and Jesus is absolutely the only way. What in the world are you trusting in? And when the rapture occurs, are you going to be left behind? And could it be that the enemy obviously knows this, and so he's already using that new age lie to get those who think that being left behind is a great thing. Absolute deceit. Lord willing, next time we're going to get into a little bit more of the uh, New Age versus Christianity, and then we're going to start getting into uh, a history lesson. Where in the world did this come from? And how in the world did it get here? As well as their practices. Well, hi, this is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church and Get a Life Ministries, and I hope you enjoyed today's study. But in closing, before you go, let me ask you one final question. If you were to die today... Are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell? You see, here's the problem. The Bible says that nobody automatically gets to go to heaven. And that's because God is holy and we are not. The Bible says that the wages of our sin or our unholiness or the wrong things that we have done have separated us from God. And the wages of our sin or unholiness 
means that we deserve to die and receive God's judgment to go to hell and not heaven. In other words, we're disqualified for heaven. And that's because God being holy and us being not, the two cannot mix. So what are we going to do? Well, that's bad enough. The other problem is we don't even want to admit this dilemma, even though God already knows it all. And so out of love, God gave us something called the Ten Commandments to show us that we're really disqualified for heaven. We're not holy. We're not perfect like him. Uh, let's take a, a look at just a few of those uh, here today. Uh, the Bible says, the Ten Commandments says, you shall not bear false witness. That means lying. How many of you ever told a lie before? Well, those of you who didn't raise your hand, you just did. Okay, let's be honest, folks. Let's not tell another lie. We've all lied. Well, believe it or not, that disqualifies you for heaven. That's how holy God is. He is the truth. He does not lie. And so that makes us a liar. Another of the Ten Commandments says you shall not steal. Okay, how many have ever taken anything without permission? Well, all of our hands should have went up at that one. Uh, we've already said we're a bunch of liars. Okay, well, we've all done that. And it doesn't have to be a bank. Uh, it could be a pencil in the third grade. Uh, that means that we're a thief, okay? The Bible says that God is so holy, even his name is holy. And that's why one of the Ten Commandments says, you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. Hey, folks, isn't it ironic how uh, now the blessed name of Jesus Christ, the Bible says there's no other name under heaven by which men might be saved, Jesus Christ, has now become a cuss word? Folks, the Bible says that's the sin of blasphemy, okay? And folks, let's be honest. We've used God's name in vain uh, before. The Bible also says in the Ten Commandments, you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus takes the standard even higher. He says, listen, it's not just physical adultery. He says, surely I tell you that if you look at another person with lust in your eye, you've committed adultery in your heart. God looks at the heart. One more out of the Ten Commandments says, you shall not murder. And you might say, well, hey, I haven't done that one. Really? The Bible says that the sin of hatred is akin to the sin of murder. You, in other words, in your heart, wish they were dead. You pulled the trigger, if you will, in your own heart. And the Bible says God sees that and it's just as bad. He knows the mind. He knows the hearts, the thoughts, and the intents that we have. Folks, that's just five out of the Ten Commandments. How are you doing? Not very well. None of us can keep them. They're God's x-ray to show us that we're disqualified. And so when, not if, your time comes, because we're all marching towards the grave at different speeds, you're going to have to stand before God. And you're going to have to uh, say who you really are. He already knows. Hey, God, let me into heaven. Uh, I'm, I'm a liar. I'm a thief. I'm a blasphemer, adulterer, and a murderer. Folks, the Bible is clear. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. That's the problem. Here's the good news. God so loved the world that he sent his one and only begotten son, Jesus Christ, that whoever believes in him, what he did on the cross, on our behalf, that we will not perish, we will not go to hell, but he will give us the gift of eternal life. Jesus died on the cross to forgive us of all of our sins. It's something that we don't earn. We, we, we can't earn. It's a gift, the Bible calls it. And a gift cannot be earned. He was taking the death penalty in our place. That's what the cross was of the day. And that if we would just ask Jesus Christ to forgive us of our sins and believe that in our heart that God raised him from the grave, showing that his death is satisfactory to God to forgive us of all of our sins, no matter what we've done, the Bible says we shall be saved. Uh, the Apostle Paul says that if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the grave, we will be saved. Let me give you a common analogy of what God's doing and what he did for us with Jesus dying on the cross on our behalf. Uh, in life, we know that people uh, can be sentenced for a crime uh, to where they're actually on death row. Uh, the courtroom scene has completely finished. The gavel has already sounded. Uh, they are going to jail and they're just awaiting their time before they go to the death penalty. Uh, as they're sitting there in the jail cell, uh, it, it's a proven fact they did what they did. Everybody knows it. They're just waiting for that time for their uh, number to come up, so to speak, and walk down that hall and be executed. Uh, there's nothing they could do to reverse their crime. No amount of good works in that jail cell can reverse what they've done. It's too late. It's over. But believe it or not, there's one way that people even today can get off a of death row. And that's if the one in authority, the governor, 
if he were to, out of mercy and kindness, nothing that the person did, because they don't earn it and they don't deserve it, and they can't earn it. If he would grant them what's called a pardon, out of the kindness of his heart, he has the authority to grant them a pardon and absolve them completely of their crimes uh, against the state. And did you know that there's actually been people that this has happened to, that the governor, out of mercy, has granted them a pardon as a gift, and they've gone down to the jail cell and handed that person, extended it through the bars, here, I'm granting you a pardon. If you would just receive it, you can go free right now. And did you know that there's actually been people who've said, no, I don't want your pardon. And so what happened is of their own doing, even though they had a way out, they still had to go to the death penalty. Folks, can I tell you something? That's what God did for us with Jesus dying on the cross. He sent his son to take the death penalty in our place. He, God, has the authority to grant us through Jesus a complete pardon. And every day that you're still alive, God is extending to you spiritually this pardon. But a pardon does you no good unless you reach out and receive it by faith. Won't you do that today? Won't you call upon the name of Jesus Christ? Ask him to forgive you of all of your sins, to trust in his work on the cross, to pardon us from all of our crimes, our sins against God. God loves you. He wants a relationship with you. But there's only one way to heaven. It's Jesus. There's only one way to get off a death row. It's through the cross of Jesus Christ. Won't you do that right now? Well, this has been Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church and, and Get a Life Ministries. And if there's anything that we can do for you, uh, please don't hesitate uh, to contact us. Uh, our number, our information will uh, come up here on the screen shortly. And uh, uh, if there's anything we could do for you, please don't hesitate to let us know. Uh, thank you for uh, joining us. And uh, remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless.